peace in the midst of our struggles is a very interesting concept. You know, around the world they do it differently in many ways. Uh, I was reading about Christmases in, in different parts of the world, and uh, Christmas is a big deal in, the, in Finland. And there's a great tradition that they have. I kind of love it. I, I wish more countries, more uh, places would do stuff like this. It happens every year. In fact, it's happened every year since the, uh, since the early 1300s. So, I mean, this is a kind of a serious tradition, right? Going on for more than 700 years. It's called the Declaration of Christmas Peace. Each year at noon on Christmas Eve, which is kind of an oxymoron, Christmas Eve, but it's at noon. But okay, uh, sorry, my mind goes off on tangents every now and then. The Christmas peace is declared in the city of Turku, and the proclamation is read usually by some city official, and, and they all fight over who's it going to be this year and all that. But, but it's from a, a balcony of this historic mansion in the center of town of the old Great Square. It is broadcast on radio and television, and, and of course, now you can stream it on the internet and, and so forth. But the declaration serves as a reminder and encouragement to spend the, the, the holiday in harmony. And it threatens offenders with harsh punishments and to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. This is how the proclamation is read, and if I have the right, I don't know if I have the, no, I do not have the right one in there, Lisa, you might have to look for it. So the proclamation reads like this, tomorrow, God willing, is the grateful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful time for all by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peaceful. Because he who breaks the peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall undergo aggravating circumstances, be guilty and punished according to what law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished on all inhabitants of the city. I mean, you don't want to mess with the Finnish in their Christmas tradition. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be dealt with harshly. What a great way to usher in the, the Christmas season, that whole idea of peace and harmony and, and getting along and so forth. And it's a reminder of Christ's coming and the peace that he presents to the world and he brings to the world. And this is what Advent is all about. This is Advent. Advent usually offers us the opportunity to, to share in this ancient longing of the coming of the Messiah, the expectation of, of God being here to celebrate his birth and to be alert to his, 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 next, his second coming. Advent looks back at celebration at a hope you know, fulfilled and, and Jesus coming, while at the same time looking forward in an eager anticipation to, to the coming of Christ's kingdom, when he returns for his people, you and I. Advent brings peace. When you think of peace, you think of shepherds. You think of the Christmas story and, and what's going on with the shepherds and the unlikely recipients of God's message of peace. 
We're going to look at Luke's account about them together in a moment. It's such a, a beautiful passage, almost uh, poetic, uh, you know, piece of scripture. You know, especially for those who have grown up, you know, watching uh, uh, Linus recite, you know, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas where he tells Charlie Brown, this is what Christmas is all about. Uh, let's turn to, let's see, wait, sorry. I'm looking at the screen. I don't know if it's fixed or not, so I'm going to let you, it's not. If you go to the PowerPoint, you can save it to, okay, never mind. I try to get everything prepared for this week so it would be peaceful this morning, and you see what happened. So there you go. Well, you'll have to grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke 2, 8 through 20. Long before the TV was even imagined, it was a beautiful, inspired writing by Luke. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which was, were just as they had been told. There's so much right there in that passage. It's amazing, the, the Word of God. With, I mean, to begin with, this is, this is God's birth announcement to the world. You know, this isn't just a card printed up at Costco and stuck in the mail. What they were announcing was this long-awaited event that, that they'd been expecting and, and, and they didn't know when it was going to happen and it happened in such an unexpected way. Suddenly in the middle of the night, you know, a dark and ordinary night in the Bethlehem countryside, the hills right outside of Jerusalem, an angel appears in the sky and it's joined by a sky full of other angels. The New Living Translation calls it the armies of heaven. It's hard to imagine how magnificent and bright and terrifying at the same time and glorious this sight would have been. And not to mention the sound. I mean, these incredible angels singing and praising God and, and declaring glory to God in heaven and peace on earth to, humi to humanity. I mean, what language did they sing in or languages? I don't know. 
What kind of melody or harmony? I mean, I wish we had a tape recorder of that one, you know? Somebody would have recorded that. That would have been awesome. How loud it must have been. Or could anyone hear it at all? We don't know. Of course, the audience for this grand announcement and the amazing angelic show that was happening must have been the important VIPs around the area, right? No. It wasn't the rich. It wasn't the powerful. It wasn't the famous. It wasn't the kings and the queens and the movers and the shakers. It was the shepherds. Those completely ordinary, average Joe, night shift working, animal tenders, who were the unlikely, unexpected recipients of the message of peace. This wholeness of God's favor into the world. And yet another scene is, is how God is perfectly you know, flipping the script here on what the humans would expect and plan to do if it were up to us to save the world. We couldn't have done it. But this whole experience certainly leaves us asking, why the shepherds? Why these completely unexpecting, um, you know, unassuming guys I mean, maybe it's because the shepherds uh, actually tie to many biblical threads uh, throughout the scriptures. First, the shepherds remind us of the patriarchs of Israel. I mean, they began as shepherds and nomadic animal tenders, you know, taking care of all the animals, roaming ranchers, if you want to call it that, of the ancient world. Abraham was the original recipient uh, uh, of, of God's blessing, God's covenant, and through him, he would bless everyone else, all the nations of the world. And this promise was carried through Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and beyond, all the way to David, Israel's greatest king. All were shepherds. But the shepherds were also the everyman. The shepherds were you and I. There was nothing special about the shepherds. They had no entitlement, no pride, no arrogance, no religious bloating. They fit right into the process of introducing God's Messiah, a humble carpenter and a peasant girl as parents of the Son of God. A birth in a, in a lowly stable. A birth in a, in a place where, where, where they were surrounded by animals. When we had our first child, you know, I, uh, Kauia Delta had their new uh, birthing unit. It was awesome. It was really quiet in the rooms and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't imagine being surrounded by animals. I mean, we got an animal out of it named Brandon. But, you know, that's a whole other story. These were the have-nots. Examples of, of God raising and using the humble and turning the world as we know it on its head. God uses those who are humble, the considered by the, you know, those considered by the, the, the society as the most holy were not given a place in this story. They didn't get to kneel on the ground as, and witness the arrival of the Messiah. The shepherds would also signify Jesus' future ministry and his teaching. Sheep may have been the, the lowly animals, but they were also very special animals in the Jewish culture. The Passover lamb is, you know, was to be a sacrifice 
you know, as an ancient Jew, you would, you would sacrifice that on the most important day of the year, the most important holiday. The blood was for the atonement of our sins. The cost that had to be paid to restore a person to God. And each time it was done, the sacrifice was a reminder of the original Passover and God's rescue and exodus from the people of Egypt. You and I know that Jesus was entering our world to fulfill the identity as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He was the ultimate sacrifice and payment for your sin and our sin. His death did away with the need for that sacrificial lamb to happen every year. His resurrection made it possible to be fully restored in our relationship with God. We don't have to carry around the guilt. We don't have to be afraid of our God. We don't have to do anything else but to ask for forgiveness to be able to to approach our Lord and Savior. He allows us into his kingdom. He allows us into his throne room. His life made it possible for us to experience true peace. The word in the Hebrew is called shalom, and it's a concept that encapsulates the the completeness and wholeness of God's original creation. It was probably partly for all all these reasons that, that God sent his angelic messengers to announce the birth of his son to the shepherds. It certainly reminds us that God's favor is not based on human standards because we, our standards are all over the place. And then you enter into politics and then it's all over the place even more. Then you enter into religious things and then it's, yeah, okay, we'll stop there. But you know what I'm saying. His favor is on those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and accept his gifts of hope, of peace, of joy, and love that Jesus brings. Peace is not based on class, or position, or occupation, but on God's promise, and his purpose, and his design to bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. I think the shepherds also lead us into several insights about our our intersection with with God's peace, how we relate to it. The first one is, is peace comes in the midst of the storms. Have you ever experienced a hurricane? I mean, I grew up, anybody experience a hurricane? Lisa is in the back raising her hand. There's a couple of more here. I mean, I grew up in the South. I grew up outside of Houston, and, and, uh, and, and I can remember the hurricanes coming. You know, Hurricane Alicia in 82 came through, and, and when, you know, when I was a kid, I was about uh, 12 years of age and stuff, and, and it, I mean, the wind howling and the lights go off because electricity goes off and, and the rain. I mean, it's a very eerie experience, and, and you've seen on the weather radar is before the TV goes out that, you know, how it's circling and, and so forth and how it's coming in the land and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and and, and then all of a sudden, it quietens down. In the middle of the storm, all of a sudden, everything just gets peaceful and quiet. And there's a stillness right there in the middle of everything. The pause in the storm. 
But as a kid, you don't understand. It's a temporary pause in the storm because you're in the eye of the storm. It's a temporary thing. It doesn't last. And the winds start howling again. The rain starts coming again. But this time it goes in the opposite direction. Kind of like those freeze-frame moments in a movie when everything slows down into one tiny pinprick moment of reality. While life of, uh, you know, or chaos or catastrophe happens all around the character in the, like a brief millisecond of clarity or pause. So let me ask you, how is your Christmas season going? Very different than how we would have imagined it. You know, I, I put on Facebook yesterday, and I try to stay away from politics and all those things. I just put up stuff about my kids so my friends, you know, from Texas and my family and, and other people around here can, can see what's going on or family. Just kind of funny stuff. I try to be funny. Most people don't think I'm funny. I don't know why. But I try to be. Um, but but uh, Lisa sent this picture from uh, Target of this book that says Santa Claus is coming to California. And I put up... Well, this must have been before the California governor put out his new mandate. See, I told you I'm funny, Lisa. I tell you. But this is, uh, this is something else. I mean, if we're honest, many of us would say our season is typically very busy. If we described our time of the, uh, the year here, you know, maybe, maybe it's all year, just things. You know, I've noticed one thing, though. I mean, in, so there's lots of things that we miss, before, you know, before COVID. B.C., you know, before COVID. Um, there's lots of things that we miss uh, doing. But at the same time, it's allowed us to have a lot of more family time. And I dare say sometimes too much family time, but that's a whole other story. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it helped us slow down. And many people are in the same boat where you're sitting and going, okay, when we, when we go back to normal, there's some things that we will take and, and run with it. And there's other things that we'll go, you know what, we're just going to leave that one alone. Because we've become busy. Our overloaded schedules allow us to be robbed of peace. Or maybe it's not just being busy, maybe it's relational conflict, problems at work, the pressure at work, or maybe for those that have to work from home now, the pressure of working from home and trying to do what you're supposed to do at work, but it's not as easy. Or maybe it's, I thought I was working, but now they've said, well, the governor said we got to shut down for three weeks, so all of a sudden now I'm not working. All those things kind of roll up, and it's, it's frustrating, or maybe it's illness. I mean, you name it. We have plenty of options to choose from this year, don't we? For many of us, peace sounds like a long way off, a good idea, a nice thought for the holidays. It makes for a good sermon once a year, you know, right before Christmas as we go through Advent, you know, something we long for. If this is where you find yourself today, let me encourage you that Jesus shows up when the storms of life threaten our peace and our hope and our joy and our love. He is there with us when love seems lost or far away. But this is where God appears 
This is where the child comes. This is where Christ shows up to be born. In the middle of Israel's dark night of Roman oppression and centuries of suffering where people were sitting there wondering, where is God? In the middle of upside down, turned all around world of a young Jewish couple who have found themselves in the middle of cosmic events while at the same time trying to you know, navigate those normal realities of life. Of all of a sudden, the, the governor of, you know, of, of the Roman Empire, of where their region said, you have to travel now, and you've got to come up with money to pay this tax, and you've got to be counted by the governor. Does it sound like any governor mandates around, you know? God is still in the midst of that, as he was 2,000 years ago when he was in the midst of Christ's birth. I mean, this family's, you know, uh, having to experience childbirth for the first time away from home without the support and care of the, of the women and the midwives who would have guided Mary and all of that. And being first-time parents, not only the joys and the wonders of that parenthood, but, but the fear that comes along with that, the responsibility of having their first son. But not just their first son, God's son. Imagine that responsibility on your shoulders. New parents know what I mean. Older parents, we have to think back a little bit. Really older parents, you're sitting there going, I sort of remember that, but I'm not sure. I mean, we think it's hard becoming parents now, right? In all these centuries, in all these struggles, this is where God showed up. And this is where God continues to show up for us. He continues to show up for us in our pain, in our fears, in our confusion, in our grief, in our loss, in our uncertainty. You know, I don't know what everybody's facing today. I know some hardships, some people here and there face or, or what's going on, but I don't know every little nuance of what's going on. But God does. And God is there. Bringing peace bringing calmness to your heart, bringing that peace that defies all circumstances. And that, that's really the, the second point here is the peace defies our circumstances. And, that, and, you know, some people may say, well, that sounds great for you, but, you know, it sounds nice. But you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how much it hurts. And I'm sorry, maybe I don't. I can only imagine, imagine some of the things that people are going through. I, you know, from, from counseling or phone calls and stuff, sometimes you, you hear things and you're like, oh, that's just, that's awful what that person is having to handle. And I can only agree sometimes of how unfair that may be. But let me encourage you. There is a peace that is deeper. There's a peace that defies our circumstances. In the face of everything you're feeling and all you've gone through, God's peace sometimes just doesn't make sense, but that doesn't mean it's not real. It's a peace that is a healing peace. And it, you can, it can guard your heart and guard your mind from, from continuing wounds. Unfortunately, we like to, you know, we let that anxiety in our life and, and we think about it over and over and over and it wounds us again and again and again. 
But the Apostle Paul describes a process like this of God's healingness in, in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me encourage each of you today that no matter what you may be facing, that the process begins with us turning toward God. We don't have to be perfect to come back to God. We don't have to be completely through with whatever's happening in our life to be able to turn back to God. We bring our hurts, we bring our questions, we bring our doubts our whys and our needs to him. And in every situation, Paul says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he didn't say demands in there. I just caveat there. Not our demands, our requests to God. I don't fully begin to understand the power of prayer, but let me tell you, there is power in prayer. There have been blind studies done by major hospitals where they had a group of of patients that were prayed over every day from people who did not know them. And then they had another group of patients who were not prayed for at all. And the amount of healing that happened for the group that was prayed for was amazing. Less complications. I'm not saying that no complications, less complications. And a whole bunch of things that went along with that. There's a power in prayer. It's transformative and it grows from our gratitude in our life. It is not a power of getting what we want and convincing God to see things our way. Every child likes that kind of power, don't they? I mean, we can try and he will listen like I listen to my children, but that doesn't mean that I always give them what they want. But much more than that, the power of prayer happens in this experience, and it gives us this peace, and it changes our perspective. And we start to find an understanding of God and to know that he is with us no matter what. It's an acknowledgement and an acceptance that he's got this. He's got it, that he can be trusted, and he is enough. Now, lastly, I want to point out that peace is a person. And oftentimes, we we forget about that. It all comes down to a person. Peace is Jesus. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, For he himself is our peace. Long before the arrival on earth, the prophet Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of his greatness, of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. I mean, there's a little bit of political sounding tones in that message. And you can see why Jesus, uh, you know, or why the Jews who, who wanted their political freedom as much as they wanted their physical freedom, they wanted that, you know, independent, uh, uh, their independence, and they were eager to see a political Messiah. And more importantly, there are tones of completion of Christ's work and his eventual establishment of God's kingdom. But most of all, this is a child who is born, a son that's given to us, that brings the power and the rule of his peace into our personal lives. He is the bringer of peace between us and God. The sacrificial lamb, the giver of life. He's the embodiment of, of shalom, that whole concept of, of wholeness that we find the relationship with him. Jesus is the one who, who is to be with us. And he offers the invitation of the Advent season. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If that isn't an offer of peace, I don't know what is. Let that wash over you this Christmas season. And in this second week of Advent, let me encourage you to look for the Prince of Peace in the middle of chaos. Even the wind, when, when the wind blows and the storms swirl, the rains come and even the water rises, let me encourage us all to come to him and worship him like the shepherds. Even when we find ourselves in the darkness of the storms. Let me remind you to come to him because he is here. The Prince of Peace is with us. May Jesus be your peace this week, guarding your soul, guarding your mind, filling your spirit with the wholeness of shalom and ruling with, as a Prince of Peace in your heart. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Why don't we stand as we pray as the worship team comes back up here. Lord, we, we come to you in a time of chaos in this world. We come to you in a time of where there is doesn't seem like there's much peace going on. The world seems to be going crazy. The political world, the emotional world, the religious world, everything is just out of whack right now, Lord. But, but if we keep our eyes on you, you are the peace of our lives. Help us remember that your child 
Christ came to give us this unsurpassing peace in our life, and all we have to do is go to you and ask for it, and you freely give it. No matter what we've done, no matter who we are, when we ask you for that peace, you give it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you, and may he give you the peace that suppresses all understanding. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.